Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on, on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. Uh, this is episode 15. Let's roll. And uh, we just we just wrapped up uh, uh, week 12 in the NFL. And ultimately, I, th- I know what you're all thinking. This is a Dynasty podcast. And right now, whether you're in Dynasty or Redraft, it's all about strategy in terms of what what you're going to be doing. I mean, in 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 redraft, it's almost uh, you're kind of in or out. But if you're on that bubble, I say it's desperation time always. In redraft, you can feel free to drop anybody that's not helping you this week because it's a it's a winner go home. And in a lot of cases, the last few weeks of a redraft season are kind of like playoff games altogether. So you know. I don't need to tell you this sort of stuff, but you know that's what you should be thinking of. But when you flip over to Dynasty, you really got to look at the rules of your league. And and right now it's time to look at if you're in multiple leagues or even if you're in just one league, you got to look at the rules as to whether or not there's a there's a trade deadline. Look, I may have an opinion, and I don't think there should be trade deadlines in Dynasty leagues, except maybe in the playoffs. Uh, once the playoffs start, those uh, those trade deadlines sometimes make sense to me. I think that's probably the way to go. Uh, although. You know, I've seen them. I I I commission some leagues without them altogether, and and there's really no nonsense. You know, obviously you got to have some other rules that that hold the league together, and also just have guys that hold the league together. But but right now, if there's a if there's a trade deadline, you can really take advantage. And uh, you know, chalk one on one chalk chalk is absolutely he and I are in, in in the machine together, which is a dynasty league, twelve team league, and he is making these trades. I mean, he's obviously uh, the CEO of the undroppable. So, you know, he, he throws that weight around and, 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 uh, and rips people off. Uh, no, he's listening and I'm, I'm just, I'm just roasting him right now, but you know, but it's true. You know, I watched him make a trade for Aaron Rodgers where he gave up very little, in my opinion, just a 21 first and second plus Sam Darnold to, to push Aaron Rodgers onto a super flex team. That's probably going to win it all. And, and you have to really look at this opportunity right now to do that. You know, a team that's not competing, is looking at Aaron Aaron Rodgers, and while he's dope, they're looking to maybe move him. So use the assets that you have to push for a playoff push. And if there's no trade deadline, just keep looking at that because your opponents are doing it. And you know, uh, in this in this instance where Chalk made that trade, he's responded to a trade where I acquired Dalvin Cook and Darren Waller to go up against him. So you know, always be looking to find those trades because they're huge. And and lastly, I think when you're when you're looking at this time of year, especially with trade deadline, I don't care if you're a competing team or a non-competing team, you got to look at certain players like uh, best example I can come up with is like Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Cooks, Julio Jones. These guys, yeah, Julio's hurt, but look, if he were if he were rolling right now, he'd be valuable. Adam Thielen just had COVID, whatever, but he's valuable. These guys are super valuable right now, but in four or five weeks, their value drops again. So this is a, a plateau or a bridge or a, or, a, or a ramp where they're they're worth a lot now, but very, very shortly, right in this offseason, they come right back down to earth because we're not so sure how long they last. They become an old player again. Right now, Adam Thielen's just a top 10 wide receiver. That's what he is. So you can definitely push him forward and and, and get some get some return. And uh, you know, that's kind of the that's kind of the idea. And and right now, Brandon Cooks is one of those players. Why? Because Will Fuller. And you know, let's talk about Will Fuller. But before I talk about Will Fuller, I want to bring on my guest this week. My guest this week, you know, for those of you who are on Twitter, 
you probably know him. Uh, he's come on Twitter and, and kind of kicked the door down a little bit um, because he's kind of got a brash attitude. Uh, but, you know, when you talk to him and, and kind of get with him, you realize he's actually a really awesome dude. He's just got that little bit of an attitude where he comes in and and uh, and, and wants to talk some trash. Of course he does because he's a fellow East Coaster like me. Chris Robin comes to us from Detroit, Michigan, obviously the the toughest town in in the entire in the entire union. Chris Robin can be found at Detroit Beastie, also one of the best Twitter names, Detroit Beastie on Twitter. Chris Robin, talk to me. Thank you. Uh, you know what? You never know, especially I, let me rewind that. I never know what people think of me until you're face to face with someone who's as honest as you are. And you, you kind of let me have it. Uh, so if I come off on Twitter or social media as brash or, or an a-hole or a jerk, well, that, that's news to me. But uh, thanks for, for writing the ship here and telling me that I am that I am the tough exterior. I am a nice guy uh, when all is said and done. So thank you for that. And uh, thanks for having me today. Well, don't change because that's what I like about you. Um, I think I broke the the record for F-bombs last week at 74 or something like that. I just, you know, I have no problem with a little bit of uh, brutal honesty. And, you know, a lot of us from the East Coast can kind of come across that way. And and certainly, you know, I've got the, you know, the assassin from the professional as my avatar. So, you know, I, I'm certainly not trying to tiptoe into any conversation either. And I've been known to lay waste to a conversation on Twitter for sure. And uh, honestly, it's a lot of fun on Twitter. I mean, you got to remember we're we're all you know avatars of ourselves. So you know, while while we do have some meaningful conversations, I'm usually full of shit, sarcastic, brash. I don't know. I'm seldom just like you know serious and honest and you know yeah. kind on Twitter. Uh, you know, that's just not the way to roll. You know, you got to come across with a little bit of fun. So no doubt. And I've noticed that people on Twitter, guys, girls, whatever you are, wherever you're from, everybody's looking. For, for something to get offended about. They're looking yeah. to, to, sh to cancel you, to shut you down at any moment here. So in an odd way, you kind of have to toe the line between between being a, an a-hole and being a nice guy and somewhere in between. Because if you're too nice, people are going to walk all over you. If you're a jerk, someone's going to pluck something out and they're going to come to your front door with pitchforks looking to tear you down. So it's, uh, it, it's walking the line here uh, day in and day out on social media. Well, I'm definitely with you 100%. I, I'm a prick. And so I say, just do that. But I'm a conscientious prick. And so for me, you know, I'm not looking to make fun of someone's personality or their person as a, as a real person or, or their gender race, any of that stuff. Cause, cause really that is, that's, that's, that's low not life. A prick. You'd be that's a low, low life. life. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. So I have no interest in ever doing that. But I will definitely call someone out for being a moron. You're gonna get 100%, it, hundred percent, and I will not yeah. back down. And you're you can't cancel me for that. And I, I, I'm uncancelable because I really don't give a shit. I'm not on there for the followers or anything like that. I mean, we're just having fun, you know, talking fantasy football. And like I said, I'm a sincere guy who's definitely not looking to hurt people. So, but if you get hurt over what someone says to you on on Twitter when they don't even know who you are, yeah, that's a really special kind of sensitive. No doubt. Yeah, you might want to rethink the whole uh, social media thing in your life. Yeah, Twitter may not be for you if all exactly. of a sudden. You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of uh, of sensitive and fragile, Will Fuller is out again. That you knew it was coming. We just didn't see. We knew it was. Let me rephrase that. We knew it was coming. 
but we thought it was going to be for something else, not a, not a PED uh, drug suspension here. The guy, his his hamstrings or his soft tissue, his lower body in his soft tissue seems to be like it's made of rubber bands or uh, unboiled pasta. You know, it just snaps in half or it pulls and, and things of that nature. But uh, lo and behold, uh, he screwed us in another way this season, having tested positive. Uh, I don't know when he tested positive, though, and I'll be honest with you, because he said uh, it was something that he took in the offseason, you know, to get back in into the game, you know, to get back in, in training and things of that nature. So I don't know if, if he tested positive uh, months ago and it ju- just for some reason uh, surfaced or if it was last week. I don't know. Yeah, and it, I don't know that it matters. But, you know, one thing for, for, for me is like, you know, that was probably what was holding his his uh, his undrained pasta together was those special medicines that he was getting from that doctor. So good for him. He he gave it a shot. He actually, uh, you know, he won a lot of people a lot of money right before he walked out. So he he sort of. Uh, I don't know if you, you know you're the DFS guy. Did you uh, did you have Will Fuller in a few spots yesterday or this past week? On Thursday, I absolutely did, and I wrote a. Uh, you know, we talked about this before we were live here, or, or you know, pre-broadcast. But I write the bottom of the barrel DFS article, nothing crazy here, and I wrote like a, a Thanksgiving Day special one. Will Fuller wasn't included in the bottom of the barrel article because his price tag uh, was too high for the likeness of bottom of the barrel here. But that doesn't mean that I, you know, I didn't personally use him, and it was fantastic. He was here in Detroit against my Lions. And uh, again, something everybody across the industry saw coming a mile away that Will Fuller was going to have uh, a fantastic game here. But in turn, him being out opens the door to the aforementioned uh, Brandon Cooks now, which looks to be a fantastic union between Watson and Cooks at the expense of Will Fuller and his stupidness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with Kenny Stills gone and um, Will Fuller out and Randall Cobb out, Kiki QT becomes a very interesting play, both in DFS and Dynasty, Redraft, whatever. I mean, obviously in Redraft, it's got to be a deep enough league. You're not going to go run out and play him over Terry McLaurin. But, you know, uh, you know, and I play in some deep leagues, leagues where, you know, you're you're looking at Larry Fitzgerald and going, that's going to work for me, uh, you know, as my flex five or whatever. So, you know, Andy Isabella, hmm, yeah, he might be my play. So Kiki Kuti is going to be definitely in the, you know, in the in the in the wide receiver three, four flex ranking somewhere this week, I'm sure. Uh, and I'm sure his price is super cheap. Uh, so probably a pretty good play if you're looking to save some money in DFS. Absolutely. Let me, uh, if I may, I have everything in front of me, my my projections, uh, all of those things. Kiki Kuti is, it uh, looks like he's uh, bottom of the barrel, as low as it goes. He's $4,500 on FanDuel. So I would imagine that means he's about $3,000 on DraftKings. So the guy that uh, a lot of people have been talking about is that Isaiah Coulter kid yeah Uh, he's been in the in the houston organization for uh, a season or two now and again when when a person is hurt or injured or does something stupid like uh will fuller did it opens the door for a kid like kiki or a kid like isaiah coulter so you know as we're coming up to week 13 with one game left to be played this week or by the time this broadcast goes out this game will have been played already 
season just so uh, such a mess right now. You know, week 13 would be a good way to keep your eye on these kids, you know, for the future of your dynasty teams or or anything like that, even a redraft. If that kid can bring you value or, or grown man, however you want to put it, can bring you value. Uh, then I'd go all in on trying to acquire him. I'm sure a guy like Kiki Cootie or Isaiah Coulter is definitely uh, on the waiver wire in 75% plus leagues. Am I wrong here? Yeah, I mean, Cootie is probably owned a little bit more, although I was surprised to see him um, in, in a number of my dynasty leagues available. So I put in some bids. Most spots I don't have any money left because I've, you know, I've, I've blown it all already. But, uh, you know, hopefully I, I get him in a few spots and, it's not the uh, the end of the world if you do or don't get Kuti. I mean, he's probably not going to change your life. But in 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 DFS, I mean, it, look, if this kid gets ten targets, seven catches, seventy yards at the Stone Min, that's a huge play in DFS. Uh, the other guy to keep an eye on, uh, the only other wide receiver I guess who played in that game was a guy by the name of Stephen Mitchell. You know, here I am, like the 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 dynasty expert, deep you know, undrafted is the name of my stupid podcast. And Steven Mitchell never heard of you, but he, he's the only other wide receiver that, that played uh, any snaps in that game. I mean, he played eight snaps. That's it. But you know, does he play over Coulter or what happens? I mean, obviously this is going to be pretty interesting um, to see what happens uh, going forward. So a deep, deep, deep stash uh, is Stephen Mitchell, who I've never heard of. So he's probably not very good. So disregard this part of the podcast. Stephen Mitchell Jr. Yeah, right. This is full. Don't get it. You don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to draft his yeah, dad. You, you don't want dis- to. You don't want to disrespect Steve Mitchell Sr. here. Yeah, and his dad probably won't produce in all fairness. No, no absolutely not. And looking at the at week 12, uh, he was projected at one target, one reception for eight yards. And so far the season, Goose egg, zero point zero across the board. So it's got nowhere to Mitchell, go but up. Exactly. Yeah, I like your optimism here. Literally, sky's the limit. I mean, it <laughs> really is. I mean, this guy wakes up and only sees north. You know, that's it. Um, but yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we, we didn't come on this podcast to talk about Stephen Mitchell Jr. or Stephen Mitchell Sr. So let's just forget about him. But you know, Will Fuller definitely, you know, is is an interesting. Uh, is an interesting case because I think it hurts uh, Deshaun Watson. I think it really hurts everybody there. You know, he was except for Kuti and, and Cooks, but you know, everybody else. I think kind of it does take them down a peg. You know, the rest of that offense is not going to be as as electric. So we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about something that you had mentioned. You were, you 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 and I were talking a little bit, and you were going to be doing a, an article. And I thought actually it would be fun to talk about if you don't mind. Do you mind if we uh, kind of step on your article a little bit? Absolutely not. I have uh, 50 different note cards in front of me, one note card per player here. So to say that I came prepared would be an understatement. <laughs> well, now, hey, don't 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 give away your secrets. Now, if you suck, it's going to be like this dude had note cards and it still was it yeah. still was trash, you know? I mean, I know people can't see me right now, but I feel like a game show host with these uh, note cards in my hand. Like it's uh, Price is Right. I love it. I love it. So, well, what he has these note cards for is basically we were just talking about, you know, running back handcuffs to own and, and you know, down the stretch now. And, and this is a, a little Dynasty Game Theory 101, but, you know, in redraft leagues and or even Dynasty leagues, I mean, Dynasty is a little bit different because most of these guys are already owned. But in redraft um, <clears throat> and, and in Dynasty a little bit, if you're a competitive team, you want to have as many running backs now on your roster as possible because if a running back goes down, you could have a league winner on your hand in their backup. 
So what we wanted to look at was some of the best running back handcuffs to own. And who knows, we might have some differing opinions. Uh, I'll, I'll let you start because um, you probably have some sort of order to these flashcards that you've made. Give me who you think is the absolute 1.01 uh, of uh, of handcuffs to own going down the stretch? Oh, that's a great question, and I have it in front of me here. It's uh, Green Bay Packer running back Jamal Williams. Uh, if you look at uh, – can you can you consider Jamal Williams a handcuff? Because if you watch the Packers play, uh, Jamal is getting entire series to himself. Uh, there's been times this season where, you know, we've seen social media go crazy. Where is Aaron Jones? Has anybody seen Aaron Jones? That's how much they, they implement – Jamal Williams here. So to say he's a handcuff, uh, not to be rude, but I think uh, that's a little bit disrespectful to Jamal Williams. He's obviously, uh, that's a little crazy for me to say because Aaron Jones is without a doubt the unquestioned RB1 in Green Bay. But Jamal Williams, he's seen 98 carries so far this season, 409 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. He's averaging 4.2 yards a carry here. And when we get into his, uh, his receiving work, 31 targets, 27 receptions, over 200 yards. He's averaging 7.9 yards a reception here. So uh, on a Green Bay Packers team that is by far and away the best team in the NFC North, uh, they have bigger and better aspirations. They have full-blown uh, Super Bowl aspirations this season. So I could see a case where the end of the season here, weeks 13, 14, and 15, i.e. the fantasy football playoffs, I could see a case where Jamal Williams gets a lot more run here to maybe uh, keep Aaron Jones fresh, to save Aaron Jones some legs when they get to the playoffs. So uh, I think without a doubt, so not think, I know without a doubt, Jamal Williams is the point, or excuse me, the 1.01 of running back handcuffs for me. I don't disagree. Um, you know, we we had a running joke calling him Jamal Williams. And, and that just came from, or, you know, his original draft class where he was drafted with Aaron Jones. And, you know, we sort of thought, well, excuse me, we knew that Aaron Jones was a better player and that's been true. However, uh, we've ceased calling Jamal Jamal because he's not really truly awful. He's actually pretty good. Um, and ultimately you, you make the point that, it, you know, uh, he's been involved anyway. So he's actually a sneaky potential start, even if, you know, he's one of those guys that could be a good start if 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 uh, Aaron Jones was tweaked, not just out. You know, if he was going to be limited, you may want to start Jamal Williams. That's how you know much he could actually take over. Uh, you know that role. So I I 100% agree. Um, you know, Green Bay is a prolific offense. They're going to get opportunities in the red zone. Their schedule is. I mean, it's just gorgeous, and that's one of the reasons why. It's top notch. Oh, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's one of the reasons why you know Aaron Rodgers is such a a trade target down the stretch for a competitive team uh, because they play at home against Philly, at your Lions, which is literally probably the stone worst, right? I mean, I, like, there. I mean, you almost want to face Detroit more than any other team. They're just that bad. Carolina's been a little bit more frisky. Uh, but they're you know they're they're at home for Carolina at home for Tennessee in the, in week 15 16 so two home games where you know those defenses have been coming on a little bit but their offenses both Carolina and Tennessee can move the ball enough to challenge the Green Bay so that offense should have to score points they won't have to you know shut it down like they might have to do uh, against Detroit which could hurt uh, the running backs uh, sometimes when they just sort of mail it in. And then, then it's AJ Dillon music or Tyler Irvin music or something like that. So, yeah, absolutely, um, great schedule, uh, good player, 
Uh, I love it. As a matter of fact, he's a pretty good trade target in Dynasty as well. So, um, you know, who you got for number two? Well, now this one I've been going back and forth about, you know, actually all day and even for for my article purposes. Now, I want it to be Tony Pollard in Dallas or Latavius Murray uh, in New Orleans here, but there's just something about James White in New England. I cannot, I can't get, I can't get over James White. For some reason, uh, he, he really does it for me. And, you know, in the early part of the season, uh, we all know uh, unfortunate accident. His parents, uh, his father was actually killed. His mother, who has now finally turned the corner, she's doing okay. Uh, he didn't look right and, and, and for fair reason now. But if we go back to last week, in week 12, the guy finally scored twice. He's always been a PPR stud. That's exactly what I have on my note cards here. You know you can count on him for passing down work. And he, they got away from that uh, in the early to middle part of the season here. And with, with Rex Burkhead, unfortunately tearing his ACL, James White has been thrusted back into that all down, all passing down work here. And James White is going to be someone I feel like uh, if you added him late in the year or if you traded him or, or, or acquired him uh, at the trade deadline, something along those lines, I think he could be a very nice uh RB3 or a flex play if you have multiple, you know, flex uh, roster spots here. James White is going to come on strong here because if you look at New England, uh, I believe they're five and six. And at this part of the season, New England being five and six uh, isn't really the normal for for Bill Belichick and Foxborough there. So uh, New England has to pull, pull out, excuse me, pull out all the stops, you know, to, to make it into the playoffs. To, I think it's still make a run at the AFC East here. So uh, James White is going to play a huge role for the real-life New England Patriots, and he's going to play a huge role on our fantasy lineups as well. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, James White is one of those guys, too, that is sneaky because of what happened to him. And there's just always a lot of noise in New England about running backs. And actually, I love Burkhead. I had Burkhead in a number of spots because he was sort of uh, the, the the Swiss Army knife. One of the things that happened with um, <clears throat> with New England this, this season was they obviously switched from one type of quarterback to another. And I know that that's an obvious statement, but so many people were like, uh, you know, on James White and saying, oh, he's going to have a huge year. And I was so skeptical. And the main reason I was skeptical was, well, I mean, he's a little older. He's not that good, but he's also a certain type of player. And he used to play for Tom as uh, as almost solely uh, a pass catching back, a passing down back. And with uh, Cam, they're not sitting in shotgun just passing the ball very often. If they're in shotgun, it's almost like pistol and they're looking to to put the ball in the belly of the running back and fake it and and go from there and you know that read option and that's not really what James White does that's kind of perfect for Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead though so those two guys were guys that I thought would do better and kind of did uh, Burkhead was also a great pass catching back too so he kind of had that duality that was really that was really good but you know now James White you know like you said coming back from that uh, horrific situation with his folks he scored twice this past week. You know, Sony Michelle pour one out. Um, you know, Rex Burkhead, unfortunate. So now it's just sort of Damian Harris and and James White. Yeah, you're right. If anything happened to Damian Harris, uh, yeah, I mean, I almost like Damian Harris being there. I don't know if James White is a is a is a handcuff. He's sort of it's very interesting that you brought him up because I don't even know what he is. Um, because if 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 Damian got hurt, I feel like there'd be a Jonas Gray signing. Maybe not him specifically, but There'd be someone in there. There'd be someone in there that's going to play that sort of hammer role. They're not going to have James White running it 
20 times a game. It's just not going to happen. So somebody is going to come in and, and and take those between the tackle beatings. Uh, so I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you on this, James White. I'm going to give you mine uh, unless you want to yell at me for disagreeing with you. But for me, even though Minnesota has a terrible schedule, they play – look, Jacksonville's obviously a good one, but then it's at Tampa Bay, Chicago, at New Orleans – not very good for uh, you know a, a B minus back in Alexander Madison, but if something that were to happen to Dalvin, I do believe that they're going to give him you know seventy five percent. You know, obviously Mike Boone becomes you know tasty. Obviously, I'd, I'd you know if it was my team, I'd play Mike Boone over Alexander Madison, but that's not the point. Uh, they're going to play Alexander Madison about seventy five percent, and he's going to you know he's going to get the lion's share, if you will. And so for me, it's Alexander Madison. Uh, I got to ask you, why'd you over? Look over Madison. Was it schedule or some other reason uh, over James White? Well, to me, it's just, you know, as a as a Lions fan, as a Metro Detroiter, uh, the NFC North is is what I love the most, you know. And I've seen Minnesota play constantly. I've seen Green Bay play constantly. And when it comes to Madison, uh, his his mo now is Cook is out, or or they give Madison the, the featured role. He just doesn't show up. And I know last season when Cook was injured in the second half of the season or leading up to the our fantasy playoffs last season, Alexander Madison was in a really good spot to help us out, to win us some games. And he completely did nothing. And he rubbed people the wrong way. And look, I mean, I could, you know, I have everything in front of here with pro football reference and that I could spit out numbers till I'm blue in the face. But to me, when it comes to fantasy sports and especially like handcuffs or the add or drop, it, it, it's got to come from my chest, from my gut here. And there's just something about Alexander Madison that doesn't do it for me. He, he, he just, uh, he's not the, the big time running back that everybody thinks he is. And it was music to my ears when you said Mike Boone, I'm with you hundred percent. I would prefer Mike Boone over Alexander Madison, you know, seven days a week and twice on Sunday as the old folks say. But when it comes to Madison, uh, he just, he, he disappears when he's supposed to do the most, if that makes any sense. Yeah, he's not that good. I mean, that's that's really it. I mean, he's definitely an overrated football player, especially by the fantasy, especially by the fantasy dynasty community. But that being said, um, you know, opportunity is king. And they seem to they seem to want to give him that opportunity if Dalvin goes down. And, you know, yeah, I don't love the schedule. And I think he would probably come up small in those situations. So I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, there was a there was a the, the aforementioned trade where I traded for Dalvin Cook and Darren Waller, uh, you know, and I had to give up obviously some good pieces, and I might regret that one. Who knows? But uh, but in that trade, I also acquired uh, Alexander Madison, and it felt like I was like, ah, that's good. That way, in case anything happens, I didn't completely you know screw myself. But you're right. In the back of my head, I'm thinking. Damn, if something happened, I'm gonna have to play Alexander Madison. That sucks. But you know, it's interesting because it only takes, you know, a couple of stumbles into the end zone, a la Adrian Peterson. Uh, sorry to bring up your Lions again. Nah, that's fine. I think with the with now with the coaching change, uh, it's you're gonna see uh, a hard dose of DeAndre Swift and Kyrion Johnson should be, you know, back in the mix here. And lest we forget, KJ is only 23 years old. Uh, to me. Uh, it's like he's only 23 years old. The way people talk about him and the way he's been traded or uh, or dis disregarded, uh, you would think he's 40, 47 years old here. But KJ is only 23 years old, and he was given the RB1 kind of opportunities here in Detroit for two seasons now, and unfortunately, he just couldn't stay healthy. He would put up good 100-yard game, couple touchdowns, and then he would just, you know, 
bum out his knee, something along those lines. So uh, the kid hasn't been able to catch a break so far his his first two years in the league. But this being year three, I think he could be a nice complimentary role, a nice one-two punch here with Swift. And I, I, I'm i sure uh, you're just as plugged into this fantasy football thing as I am. And I, I'm, so, I'm sure you read this where Adrian Peterson has even had even told his coaching staff uh, once Swift got the RB1 role, he goes, I don't know what took you so long, guys. You know, so if Adrian, Adrian excuse me, AP is talking like that, you know it's something special. I mean, I don't know AP personally, but I would imagine a, a, a stud running back of his caliber wouldn't just be tossing out those pleasantries as he does here. So, again, a nice one-two punch of AP or AP Swift and KJ would be fantastic. Yeah, well, look, uh, DeAndre Swift is a special player. Um, you know, every year I do a, um, a evaluation off season. You and I talked about it a little bit off before the show in terms of you know prospect evaluation. And with running backs, there's sort of this this sort of highest grade I can give them, and it's it's sort of you know whether you want to call it elite or whatever, but it's you know th- there there's levels to it. You know, Saquon was higher than Swift in terms of where he graded out for me, but once they're above a certain threshold, to me, they're in this sort of elite category. DeAndre Swift was that. So, you know, every year I look at that and, and, and look for the elite running backs, and I really try to put them in their own little category uh, in, a, in a rookie draft for Dynasty. Uh, DeAndre Swift is absolutely one of those. He remains as one of those. I was asked uh, today, uh, you know, who's going to be the league winner, and I doubled down. Uh, BZ and I had uh, preseason both been talking up Swift as a league winner a la Miles Sanders from last year. And, uh, you know, we still kind of feel that way. I mean, he, he was starting to, starting to cook, and then the concussion held him out. So I, I haven't looked recently, but I think he's going to play this weekend. Obviously, if he's playing, he's, a, he's an RB1 start every week, and I think he could be a league winner this year. To your point um, about, um, you know, Madison, yeah, pass on Madison. Forget him. If we go back and look at it, um, you know, the, I know the one thing that you must have been the most – pleased about this week was not Matt Patricia being fired, although I'm sure that pleased you. Not that, but the Barstool Sports shirt with Commissioner Goodell on it with his big red clown nose and my boys making you a Matt Patricia with the headset on clown nose replica shirt from Barstool, you know, you know, copying a la Barstool. Thank you, Barstool. You're the best. Don't sue us. But if you look at that shirt, that had to have made your effing day, that that Matt Patricia clown nose shirt, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it all started with the picture of Matt Patricia coming off the plane wearing yeah. a Goodell clown shirt. And I said, how fantastic would it be to have a Matt Patricia clown shirt? And lo and behold, you put it together. So I thank you for that, and that's fantastic. And I think in a weird way, a, a shirt of Matt Patricia, the, the same picture of him coming off the plane wearing the Goodell clown shirt while he's in clown face on the shirt <laughs> would, would be fantastic. It would be two clowns. and, and a, yeah. It would be unbelievably fantastic. And, you know, on a serious note, you're absolutely correct that I'm happy Patricia is gone and, and Bob Quinn is gone. And But as I've said uh, to anybody that will listen to me, it's the same thing over and over again with the Lions. Hire, fire, and repeat here. So uh, I don't know what it's going to take. Honestly, I think it's a it's an, an issue with the ownership, but the Fords are 
they, they built Detroit. So how, how are the Fords going to sell the Lions here? So I think we're stuck with, with Sheila or Martha, the, the old Martha Firestone Ford, uh, <laughs> until they're, they're dead and gone. I just, I just don't understand it here. But uh, short term, Patricia's gone. Love it. Uh, ownership's always where it starts. I mean, it really does. And, you know, I mean, that's where it starts. I mean, you know, whether you look at when Bob Kraft took over in New England, that's when everything turned around. Um, you know, he's willing to bring in Parcells and, and, and Belichick, and he's willing to be united with Belichick. And, I mean, you know, uh, just, yeah, you you got you to gotta have ownership. And, you know, as much as we want to criticize Jerry Jones – He's he's willing to put his chips in the middle of the table. He's willing to support his team, and you know they're they're a little bit dysfunctional from time to time, and and they're not always the best front office because Jerry meddles a bit. Uh, but Al Davis was the same way. I think once they get a little too old, they might get a little senile. I mean, like me, you know, I forget what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, they they run their football team like I do this podcast, which is really not that good. So at the end of the day, they really need to pay attention to what they're doing. Hire someone who knows what's going on. Allah, hey, let's look at Carolina. They're basically doing it. Speaking of Carolina, I think you missed the number one handcuff, and that's Christian McCaffrey. Because if Mike Davis gets hurt, CMC could win a league. Yeah, I I, I briefly heard about this guy, uh, Christian McCaffrey. I heard he's pretty good at football. Uh, he hasn't been on the field much this season, but w- when he has been, uh, he's been electric. He's put up some points on the board. So uh, handcuffing Mike Davis is uh, absolutely <laughs> a genius move here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next on your list, let's hit it. Next on my list, it, it, it's, it goes back and forth again because, uh, to be fair, in, in the article, in my article, I don't have them listed in order of importance because I've learned over the last year or two, if someone asks start or sit advice, who should I start? I give each guy in what I have for their projections, let you make the decision. So that way, great job. So that way, if someone says, who do I start Tony Pollard or Latavius Murray, if I give you the projections and you make the wrong decision, that's your fault, not mine. Whereas if I go, Oh, you definitely want to start Tony Pollard this weekend and Murray goes off, then you're coming back to me. You know, I'm in the doghouse. You're putting me down for being a loser piece of shit. Well, guess what? You make the decision. It's your team here. So after that's a long-winded way to answer your question. Hey, let me tell you one thing before you go. I n- I've stopped answering start sit questions. Why? Because they're the dumbest questions on the planet. Because if you think about it, they're literally asking a real close one anyway. Like if you look at the rankings, they're probably like back to back in my rankings. So it's it's flip a coin. That's the answer. It's it, there's no right answer. There if if one of them is a top ten play that week and one of them is a bottom forty play, well then they're not asking because everybody kind of knows. So it, inherently, those questions are stupid. So stop answering them and tell everybody to run their own damn team. But other than that, uh, you're like I said, you're a nicer guy than me. So please continue. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I I can tell you this with uh, full transparency. I enjoy the interactions. I'm thankful for the interactions. Uh, when there's a, a day and time where where I'm over it, I'm sick of it. I'll say so. But until the meantime, I'm cool with answering starter sit questions. I get DMs like crazy or tags on uh, Twitter and Facebook, and, and I'm happy for that. I'm thankful for that because that brings eyes to you know what I'm doing or, or uh, you know collaboration podcasts like this. So uh, until I'm sick of it, keep asking them, and I'll let you know there when you I'm go. done with it. So I'll forward me, all mine to you. Fantastic. I'll give you, you can text me if you want. It's cool. <laughs> Don't send well, me any dirty pictures though, please. I promise. So, That's not my style. 
Thank you. So moving forward, yeah, if you look at what's going on in New Orleans, I saw this uh, comment on, on Twitter earlier today. Uh, are we ready to have the discussion that if Drew Brees doesn't come back or he retires and Taysom Hill is left at the quarterback, uh, is this downgrade Alvin Kamara? Because if you've noticed the last few games, uh, Kamara's usage hasn't been what it was with Drew Brees. And in turn, uh, one thing feeds the other. We Now we know that that Drew Brees had like 15 broken ribs. or tw- I didn't even know a human had that many ribs in their body to begin with, but all of them were broken for Drew Brees, so he was just checked down Charlie, and Elvin Kamara was loving it. Now, fast forward to week 12 or week 13, uh, Taysom Hill is the quarterback, and he's not looking Elvin's way as much as he should be in turn uh, of like little dump-off pass, swing passes, but guess who's reaping the benefits from that? Latavius Murray. He's been one of the best handcuffs for a few seasons now. Uh, he has, looking at my notes here, he's got 121 rushes so far this season, 550 yards, four touchdowns, another one on the ground. So he's putting up RB2 type numbers when he's the only, when he's actually the RB2 on the team. Elvin is ahead of him. So God forbid. Let's say Elvin Kamara uh, misses a, a game or two in the start of our fantasy playoffs. Latavius Murray's value would absolutely skyrocket, and rightfully so. It's skyrocketing now, right, right before our eyes, even with a healthy uh, Elvin Kamara here. So uh, there's just no way you can get away from uh, not rostering Latavius Murray moving forward. Even next season, I, I don't care when it is. Latavius Murray is a fantastic running back. He is. Uh, the prototypical professional football player. He's a he's good at what he does. Let's say so. Grab Latavius Murray. Yeah, I'm with you 100. As a matter of fact, this conversation is exactly the same as the one I made for New England. Okay, when you talk about what Alvin Kamara is, he is if James White was you know the 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 ceiling of what James White wishes he could be as Alvin Kamara. He plays that type of a role. Um, you know, shotgun you know, uh, steps up, option routes, wheel routes, swing passes, uh, you know, putting linebackers in space. That's what he does. And Drew Brees can step back, make those reads quickly and throw it to Alvin Kamara. And then sometimes, you know, of course they run it a little bit. But if you think about it, Kamara only gets maybe 10, 12 carries a game. It's not that, that's not how he makes his money. He makes his money catching five to 10 balls a game or 81 per season exactly. But um, he, he so if if we take, Drew Brees is, is Tom Brady. Taysom Hill is much like uh, Cam uh, Cam Newton. And what do they do? They run read option. They don't sit back and shotgun and, and read the defense. They take read option. Well, who's the better read option back? The guy who's gonna, you know, barrel it up in the middle, take, you know, take the put the ball in his belly and 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 read A or B gap. And that's that's Latavius Murray. He's definitely better suited to run that play over and over again with uh, Taysom Hill reading that, either keeping it in uh, Murray's gut or or hitting the hitting the edge. Um, so yeah, this really does hurt Alvin Kamara. This isn't like he's not looking for him. No, it's not that at all. It's schematic. And if people understand how the game is played, they'll understand that it's not well. As long as he starts looking for Kamara, why the fuck would he be looking for him if they're running a different play? That's not what happens. They they run this play. They put the belly the ball in the belly of the of the of the, of the running back. They put pressure on the defensive end. They read him. If he crashes down, Taysom keeps it, gets the edge and goes. If they don't, so they're playing literally 11 on 10 because they option the defensive end 
and Taysom's a running back himself. So it's, it's how they're going to play with Taysom Hill in the game, period. The only way that really Kamara gets more usage in this offense is if they're behind. If they drop, if they fall behind 14-3 or something, they might have to play it different, and they might have to have Taysom sit in shotgun and play Drew Brees' role. Good luck with that. That may not go so well, but at least they have the weapons to do it. And Kamara, you know, Manuel Sanders, Michael Thomas, Ta- uh, Traquan Smith, etc. But I'm, I'd be weary. So yeah, Alvin Kamara is absolutely a downgrade until Drew Brees gets back. Not because of anything other than schematics. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100. And and while you were talking, the the wheels in my head were turning, the gears were grinding there, and and I thought to myself, like. It, it, given the given the choice, standard scoring league, who are you going to go with, Elvin Kamara or Derrick Henry? To me, it's not close. It's Derrick Henry all day. Elvin Kamara isn't a guy, as you said, that they're going to give 25 carries to. He's not a, a between-the-tackles kind of runner. And look, I, I'm not talking down about Elvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would be happy to own him or, or play him all day. But he makes his hay in PPR leagues catching all those passes. And he's just not doing that right now. I'm not saying you bench Elvin Kamara in favor of Latavius Murray. Uh, I'd be laughed out of the business here, obviously. But you have to pay attention to Latavius Murray uh, for the time being while they you know, figure things out. Or will they ever figure things out? Because as you said, uh, Taysom Hill is exactly who we who we know he is. He 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 runs in the football. He scored twice on the ground last week, and if I'm not mistaken, which if Drew Brees was in the lineup, those would have probably gone to Elvin Carr. Let's be honest, but they didn't. So we have to make other plans for our for our, our dynasty teams and our seasonal fantasy teams headed into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you said you'd be laughed out. Look. That's nonsense because at the end of the day, when when you're doing your weekly rankings, Alvin Kamara starts to slide down and Latavius Murray starts to slide up. I'm not saying you play Latavius over Kamara specifically, but if you're not thinking this way, then they're doing it wrong. If they're laughing at you, let them laugh, bro. Uh, but Segway King, you mentioned whether I'd rather have Alvin Kamara or Derrick Henry. And I'll tell you, that's the sneakiest handcuff to own right now is Mr. McNichols. Yeah, I'm with you. I didn't think it. I didn't think it would be uh, McNichols. I thought it was going to be Darrington Evans uh, headed in, headed into the season. Oh, I'm well aware of that now. And uh, lo and behold, I drafted a ton of of you know Anthony McFarland in Pittsburgh. I drafted a ton of Darrington Evans in uh, in Tennessee. And it's just sometimes things don't go your way. Although uh, I have to say that I don't think there's a case where we. This might be not cool to say, but I don't think we need to really worry about handcuffing Derrick Henry. The guy is an, an absolute fucking tank, excuse my language. Uh, I, I'm really into Derrick Henry. So uh, maybe that's that's just my nature where, you know, when, when you get a guy like uh, Derrick Henry, I, I feel like it's good. You set it and forget it and you're done. You don't have to look at the depth chart. You don't have to look at processing waivers in terms of a, of a Tennessee backfield here. It's Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry only, but a guy like you who is probably smarter than me when it comes to uh, dynasty football, that's the smart move where I just stay uh, closed minded and pigeonholed with, with uh, drafting a, a, or excuse me, adding a, a handcuff for Derrick Henry. No, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, uh, that's the reason he's so sneaky is because, number one, he's not a prolific player. We've never really seen McNichols do anything. 
Um, and because Derrick Henry is is Iron Man, right? Like he literally can't be hurt. He can't be tackled. He can't be – nothing could ever happen to Derrick Henry except it could, right? And so if it did, what would happen is you have to run that thought experiment. You have to, you have to go through and think, okay, what would happen if Derrick Henry, you know, sprained his MCL and missed two weeks? Well, right? I mean, what would happen is it would – first of all, it would be a panic – in the fantasy football world, we'd all freak out. We'd all hate that. But Jeremy McNichols would get at least a sixty percent running back share in that in that in that Tennessee uh, backfield. And while he is not going to do what Derrick Henry does, that is still a good offense. And they he he would be an RB two RB three easy. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. So you know, but he's also very inexpensive to acquire. In, in a lot of dynasty leagues, I bet you his ass is on the waivers. So you can just pick him up, just literally pick him up. In other dynasty leagues, it's not like whoever is rostering him is thinking, you know, oh, I've got the I've got the uh, the pinnacle uh, back here. As soon as Derrick Henry goes down, I've got the winner. You know, they're not thinking that way. So you can insure Derrick Henry or just pick him up in some sort of way that you're you're trying to manage upside. I mean. He's a he's an easy grab, so I think uh, I think Jeremy McNichols is worth a worth a stash. I've got him at a ton of dynasty leagues just because of how cheap he was. You know, I, I sort of scour the bottom for hey, who's the who's the cheapest, highest leverage player I can because you know there's certain players that no matter what happens, they're never going to do anything anyway. They're just going to go from two targets to three targets if someone gets hurt. Like they're just nobody. But McNichols it could be could go from literally nothing to kind of a big deal very quickly so that's why absolutely and and one of my my favorite websites for uh just overall fantasy advice you know the undroppables.com absolutely <laughs> uh playing behind derrick henry is like being cal ripkin's backup you're likely yes. aren't going to see the field much so but i'm with you you know one thing that that i've gotten into the last few seasons is understanding uh you know how to use leverage to my advantage you know i'll be honest with you you know i don't know everything i'm not the smartest man on earth i'm not even the smartest man in the room on a daily basis but leverage that whole thing was it was foreign to me a few years ago and now it just makes so much sense and i'm kicking myself for not really buying into that or you know learning about that much until about a season or two because as you said you get leverage on the derrick henry owner when you have Jeremy McNichols in your lineup, selling him off to the Derrick Henry owner just in case for a playoff run. It's a nice little insurance piece to have for the Derrick Henry owner. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm like looking at my phone ready to make some dynasty trades. The other guy to trade for right now is, I mean, if you had to give up Alvin Kamara to get Derrick Henry, if you're a competing team, that's not even crazy because who knows what happens next year, you know, 2021, 2022, I don't know. They're they're both going to be really good, but I would say that Derrick Henry right now, especially down the stretch, Cleveland, okay, but if 14, 15, and 16 are your playoffs at Jacksonville against your terrible Lions and then at Green Bay, and Green Bay has not been good against the run at all. They're one of the worst. So, I mean, and that should be a high-scoring game. Wow, what a, what a playoff run for Derrick Henry. He could absolutely be a league winner. So, if you can go ahead and make a trade for Derrick Henry, and and like I said, you'd have to give up something dope. Uh, but if by chance that Derrick Henry owner is not a playoff team, which just so you know he probably is, so he's probably you're probably not getting him. But if by chance you're playing in a league where Derrick Henry is on a non-playoff team, go ahead and give up a one of your RB ones, 
plus a pick. Maybe it's got to be a first. Who gives a shit? If you're going to win the chip and you're going to win all the money, look, the pot goes to the winner, not the guy with the most first next year. So push it into the middle for Derrick Henry. I think that may be a good move. And uh, by the way, Green Bay is 30th overall against opposing running backs here. So uh, sweet mother of pearl does Derrick Henry have the juiciest uh, set of matchups coming down. No doubt about it. Uh, I think we've hit him up. I mean, if you want to run down, I mean, I made a a few lists. Obviously, you know, Snell, Pollard, Gus Edwards, Boston Scott, uh, Edmonds, you know, any others you were looking at? I mean, those are those are kind of like the ones I ran through. But any of those uh, or or others are your favorite that you want to mention before we move on? No, you hit them all. The only other guy I would mention is Naeem Hines in Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, and he's almost not know. a yeah. He's almost yeah, not a handcuff. He, he's his own thing. He he is his own thing now. And at last I checked, a uh, rookie Dynamo Jonathan Taylor was on the COVID list. Probably, hopefully, uh, will play this week. But in the meantime, Naeem Hines is still seeing a ton of work. Uh, Anyway, so go out and see if you can acquire Naeem Hines, too. Just be careful. I mean, the one thing that can get you kicked off this podcast is talking bad about Jonathan Taylor. I don't, I just warning you, whatever, however you want to say it. I mean, I just want, I just want you to be aware you're treading into dangerous waters with that kind of language, sir. Uh, you'll be, you'll like this then. I have a hundred percent exposure to uh, Jonathan Taylor in every dynasty league I play in, and I, I, I love it. I, I don't even care. I don't care either. You know, it's funny. I heard a lot of people starting to, you know, turn those wagons around and start, you know, heading back east. Uh, but you know what? I am, I am running through the hard stuff, the deserts. I'm, I'm right now. We're, we're, we just got to the Grand Canyon. We got to go around this shit. But pretty soon, we're going to see the sweet waters of the Pacific, and we're going to get there with, with him. It's going to be a long trudge, but we're, we're getting there. We're the pioneers, baby. We're getting across. It's like uh, I assume we're close in age here, so I'm sure you can remember playing Oregon Trail on the computer when we were kids. So it's just like that, but with Derrick Henry. Some people might die of diarrhea along the way, but we're going to get to the Pacific with him, baby. Yep, with Jonathan Taylor. You said that Derrick Henry, which is an interesting, uh, you know, uh, Freudian slip because you know maybe he's that someday. I mean, you got to remember Derrick Henry was one of those players that I was cursing the coaching staff in Tennessee for playing the 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 ghost of DeMarco Murray over him and and Deion Lewis even which was even worse so yeah l- let's go it's going to be just fine with with uh with Mr. Jonathan Taylor you know hey let's talk a little little bit of DFS we're actually running a little long there was a couple other things i wanted to get to but we'll hit it quick um DFS is kind of your strong suit your 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 article that you write every week uh the bottom of the barrel and uh you know obviously i i would imagine that's geared towards finding some value i.e. the name bottom of the barrel. But uh, we'll just talk straight up, not even talking about bottom of the barrel players. Uh, We're going to just talk about, because I think it's actually helpful also to talk about some of the highlight matchups this week, just so that people can kind of understand who they should be playing. Obviously, we're going to play the chalk, but, you know, just uh, so give me some of your thought processes going into a DFS week. Where do you start? Uh, Do you start at quarterback? Do you start at running backs? Um, Maybe you start at multiple different places when you build lineups. You know, just kind of maybe walk through your process quick, but kind of hit me up with what you're thinking here. Sure. No, I, I, normally, my process is to start with the running backs. It, it's different week to week. That's the beauty of this thing. Uh, I normally start with running backs and good matchups like David Montgomery this week playing the Lions, who are 32nd overall against the run. And this just in, there's only 32 teams in the league, so uh, the Lions are that bad. And then after I get a couple, you know, nice running backs in, uh, I go to quarterback. I, I always fade 
or punt, excuse me, the tight end. I can't tell you the last time I paid big money for a tight end on FanDuel or DraftKings here. So as we get later in the season, week 13 is upon us. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, you know, over-unders are, are pretty set in stone here. A lot of the matchups are exactly what we expect them to be. A lot of these, these skill position players are, are hitting their averages, as I said. They're doing exactly what, what we expect them to, like Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. You know, th- there's uh, death taxes and Devontae Adams scoring a touchdown, uh, and he's playing Philadelphia this weekend at home. Who's, uh, it's not as, as soft as a matchup as you would think, 13th against opposing wide receivers, but that's normally how I do it. It's different week to week. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's probably wise. I, my process is, is refining. This is really my first year playing DFS. Um, and you know, I had some really big weeks where I thought I was figured it out, cracked the code. And then I got smashed the next week and I was like, okay, listen, maybe you go back to the drawing board and, and sit your little ass down. But you know, it's true, man. I thought I had literally been like, fuck, this is easy. Just like everything else. I got this shit. But uh, yeah, I got smashed a little bit after that, a couple weeks in a row. And I was like, all right, all right. So, but ultimately what I'm looking for and what I, what I've started to understand a little bit better with DFS is, is ownership and, and being a little contrary and understanding how that can pay. Because a lot of times I just be very chalky, you know, because I kind of knew now oh, this is the right guy to play. But then I have to also look at that. Maybe he is, but if everybody else agrees with me, it doesn't really matter. Now when he now when he busts, I'm busting with everybody else. You know, I'd, I'd almost rather be a little bit contradictory and have a better line uh, to winning. So I'm learning all that stuff. But I, I think by and large, I start with games. Right? I look at games that are going to shoot out, and I try and find value there. Um, you know, and it's not always clear, but sometimes it's pretty clear as to which games are going to shoot out. So. What games are, are you sort of looking at as the, the, the shootouts this week? Well, I love any and all Vegas Raiders. They're playing the Jets this weekend. Yeah. The over-under isn't as high as you would think. The over-under in that one uh, is 47. Uh, I also love Jacksonville, Minnesota. Yeah, me too. They're in Minnesota. That over-under is 52 total points there. So you, there's a lot of good value for Minnesota with, as you said at the beginning of the show, Adam Thielen being out. Irv Smith might not play. And the, the creme de la creme this week is New Orleans at Atlanta. That that over-under is fifth, or excuse me, 46 here. And it looks like the point implied totals are like New Orleans 25, Atlanta 21 here. So get a lot of those in your lineups. And then the highest over-under in week 13 is not what I expected it to be. It's the Cleveland Browns at the Tennessee Titans here. Their over-under is 55, and there is value to be had like crazy in this game. Yeah, it's funny too, because when I looked at that game, I thought, you know, this could be one of those, you know, you think of both teams, they're going to want to both establish Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb and, and it might slow down a little bit. So that's that game total actually surprised me and it made me reconsider what I was thinking. Um, you know, <laughs> anytime you're starting a lineup and, and you're, and you're clicking Baker or anything to do with Baker, you have to do so with a second of hesitation. You're like, Am I really going to do this? Am I really going to draft Baker Mayfield? Am I really going to put him in my lineup? So I guess maybe you're looking at the other side of that, the home team, and and maybe looking at Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. And and real quick, uh, I'm that same way you are with Baker with Kirk Cousins. Uh, every time I, I have to write about Kirk Cousins or play Kirk Cousins, uh, I throw up in my mouth a little bit. But if you look at the Tennessee side of things, uh, I love Corey Davis this weekend. Wide receiver, uh, he's 6100 bucks, uh, and 
it looks like uh, looking at my notes here, Cleveland is 23rd overall against opposing wide receivers here. And I, as I've said, I love to punt tight end here. Jonu Smith has been not what we thought he was going to be for the last few weeks, maybe the whole season here. But Anthony Fersker has kind of come on strong here. And he's only $4,600 on FanDuel. And the, the lowest you can go is $4,500. So for $100 more, you can get a guy like Anthony Fisker in there. And as you said, if he bombs, so what? You, you spent 4000 bucks on him. It's not that big a deal. But if he hits, now you're talking big money here. That's the thing with, with being contrarian, as you put it uh, earlier. You know, the chalky guys are chalky guys. We, we expect them to, to do a certain thing. We expect them to accumulate a certain amount of points. But when you when you fade uh, chalk and then you add in, you know, these contrarian guys, uh, there's just so many ways to play. We could be on this this broadcast for another two hours if uh, <laughs> if you wanted to getting in my my into my brain. It's a scary place to be. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree because the matchup is juicy against Cleveland for tight ends, no doubt about it. And John has just been, I mean, he is so frustrating because I think he's talent-wise a top five, six tight end in the league. And to watch him just be underutilized, I mean, I've I've mentioned that he could be a top ten tight end if they just gave him three rushing attempts a game. The kid the kid breaks a twenty yard run every time he touches the ball. I mean, I, it, it's befuddling to me, but that's besides the point. Um, a guy I threw off a bridge earlier in the year, Mike Gesicki at 4,200 on DK, uh, going up against Cincinnati, and uh, you know with with uh, with Fitz under center, that Yolo ball, man, he throws it up to contested catch Gesicki, and he can make those plays, and that's kind of what his bread and butter is. If he does break one, he's also got the speed to to house it. So, do you like Gesicki this week against a really juicy matchup, or will the ownership be too high? No, I absolutely do. And to be honest with you, uh, I always used to think that way. You know, if I like a guy like Mike Gusecki or you like a guy here, then that mean, that must mean everybody on earth is on Gusecki. But as we said before we started the broadcast, we're just a, a microcosm in this DFS world here. Uh, nobody's really going to be on Mike Gusecki. I don't see his ownership being more than, you know, I th- actually I think his ownership is going to be, you know, that 14 to 16%, which is fantastic in a, in a big tournament uh, in case. Cash games, I think he's a fade for me, obviously, because, yes. you know, cash is one thing and GPP yes. is another thing here. Yep, but Gusecki, but Gusecki, uh, as you, he's $5,700 on FanDuel, and he's playing the, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 25th overall against opposing tight ends. And I, I tried to pick on Cincinnati last week, and I'm going to do it again this week because, you know, I, I just think Cincinnati is just, they're done for. They're, they're demoralized. They're bummed out. A way that you know they lost their their number one overall pick Joe Burrow in that fashion. So you got to look at at everything across the board here. And I just think Cincinnati's just going to lay down uh, for everybody rest of the season. And two teams on different wavelengths here. And anytime Fitz starts in a matchup like this, yeah, I'm fully expecting Fitz to his floor is 250 passing yards and two touchdowns here. That's his and, floor, in my opinion. And ten Yolo balls. Absolutely. That's what he does best. And I, who, I mean, I don't know Fitz. I don't know the Miami organization or anybody in it, but given the, 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 the heartache that he went through when they gave the job to Tua, you got to imagine that Ryan Fitzpatrick is as thankful as can be. He wants to, you know, prove that this should be his team as he thought it was heading into the season here. So Ryan Fitz and a Mike Gusecki stack are, are right up my alley. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm game for that. I mean, especially considering Waller and Hawkinson, the the top two have pretty good matchups. So 
there should be a lot of ownership there. But and, and actually, you're right. Uh, John who will probably get a lot of love. Uh, so maybe maybe he is sort of a contrarian play. I'm not sure. Uh, the other guy I like uh, at tight end is probably uh, Tunyon. Uh, but let's move on to um, the aforementioned Kirk Cousins in the quarterback position. You know, <laughs> Cousins again is playable at home against Jacksonville. And, you know, by my math, he's still like only the sixth or seventh most expensive, depending on where you're looking. Uh, you know, him and him and Jefferson seem to be – that's probably going to be – I mean, Jefferson should be highly owned, but you think people are still fading Cousins, or is that a little bit of point chasing there? No, I, that's a that's a good good way you put it. Point chasing, no. And I think Kirk Cousins is he's just perpetually at twenty percent ownership, or you know maybe even lower. You know, most people don't give him a second look because from what I've gathered the last few years reading and writing uh, DFS stuff, people always go for the top notch, head of the class kind of quarterback here. People th- that's a way to build their lineups. They they don't go anywhere outside of like the top three guys. Patrick Mahomes, let's say, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. They don't even look at a quarterback at his price, and he's $7,300 on FanDuel. And as you've said, they're home against Jacksonville, who is 30th overall against opposing quarterbacks here. So, again, another guy with a floor of 250 passing yards and two touchdowns here. Yeah, and if we're looking for that sort of, um, you know, that Konami code quarterback at cost, there's really not much except if you if you're like me and you're a real degenerate. I mean a real bad bad degenerate. You go all the way down, you scroll, you keep scrolling. You keep scrolling way down and you find the ultimate Konami code quarterback at 5400 on DraftKings in Detroit. Mitchell Trubisky at home against Detroit, excuse me, at at home. Am I crazy? No, you're not. And to be honest with you, uh, I don't know if you read bottom of the barrel this week, but Mitchell Trubisky headlines bottom of the barrel this week. Uh, he's, he's thrown, I believe, 12 touchdowns his last four times playing the Lions. He throws, that's what he does against the Lions. He throws three touchdowns against the Lions. He did it twice last season. He did it twice the season before here. So looking at, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, $6,900 on FanDuel, and as you said, $5,400 on DraftKings. It's a no-brainer. I'm building a ton of big tournament stacks headlined by Mitchell Trubisky. It's just one of those things. Mitchell Trubisky, uh, in all form and fashion, is a bum, right? But when he plays the Lions, he's an all-pro quarterback. So uh, not to be a weirdo or not to, like, you know, jump off of a bridge, as you put it, but I'm penciling in Mitchell Trubisky at three touchdowns on Sunday, and I'm not even thinking twice about it. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, okay, so you go Mitchell Trubisky. The the, the chalk stack is going to be him and Aaron uh, Allen Robinson. Forget that. I'm looking down. I'm going Darnell Mooney. So I want I'm going to buy down and I'm going to get Darnell Mooney and Mitchell Trubisky stack, and then I can spend up elsewhere. I can get Devonte Adams or or Dalvin Cook or whomever I want. Um, wh- where who am I spending up for at running back? If I go there, I mean Dalvin at home against Jacksonville. How does he not score a few times? Should I look further? Tell me. Yeah, absolutely. And and before I tell you further, uh, th- there's just no way you haven't read bottom of the barrel because that's the exact stack that I mentioned. Mitchell Trubisky, 
and Darnell Mooney. And if you want to get a little spicy, throw in Cordell Patterson too, who's $5,500 <laughs> on FanDuel and $3,600 on DraftKings. But in terms of, of running backs to pay up for this weekend, I think we have to take a long, hard, honest look at Nick Chubb. Playing yep. in Tennessee, as we mentioned, that game has a very nice over-under. Tennessee's 25th against opposing running backs. He's $8,700 on FanDuel. I love James Robinson, the rook, the undrafted rookie dynamo. James Robinson plays in Minnesota, who is just middle of the pack, 14th overall against opposing running backs, $7,800 on FanDuel. And the guy that piques my interest the highest this week, and I'm not kidding, it's Austin Eckler. They yeah. go, they're at home. They play New England. New England's defense doesn't scare me. It's not the New England defense of last year. You know, it's kind of a, a dare I say, rag, you know, ragtag kind of thing. Some guys opted out. Some guys are hurt. And the James Robinson volume alone, you can p- pencil him in for what? 24, 25 carries. And he does fantastic work with it. So uh, Austin Eckler, as I was uh, getting to, uh, with, with Justin Hurts, Herbert as his quarterback, I'm telling you, this combo for the long time is going to take us to the moon here. With Herbert being able to stretch the field out, just throw bombs to Jalen Guyton, make Keenan Allen look like a PPR stud, Austin Eckler is going to see a ton of work, and I love it for the end of the season here when we need him the most. I'm with you 100%. And the other part of this, too, with Eckler is, you know, New England may be pretty good against conventional running backs, but their linebacker core is slow. Uh, they've got a pretty decent secondary. Obviously, that's kind of the strength of their defense. So I think they're going to be able to, you know, uh, exploit those linebackers with the speed and receiving ability of Austin Eckler. I love that play, especially on DK PPR. So, all right, so we've got Trubisky, Mooney, Eckler. I like James Robinson. I love Nick Chubb. I don't want to pay up for Dalvin either because he's 9,500. And what is he, like 11-5 on, uh, on FanDuel? So that's too much. I'm with you, although he might smash. But he'll probably be highly owned. And uh, it, while there is a way to get there, maybe there's a couple lineups where you do that. If You're you you know you, you're certainly free to play him because he could smash and you want to be uh, you know contrarian with the Dalvin Cook lineups. But I love the Chubb, James Robinson, Eckler. You know, if I look further down, there's one other guy, you know, and and Cupid uh, is undefeated, man. You know, he he just he, he hits me in the heart, and here I am. And if if Jonathan Taylor can come off of a uh, COVID nineteen list, I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. But if he can do that, fifty seven hundred dollars in Houston. My God, how can he not break a big one against Houston? Please, God, tell me why Jonathan Taylor can't smash somewhere. No, he absolutely will. And on FanDuel, he's $6,400. And I'm with you. I firmly believe in my heart of hearts, Jonathan Taylor is going to play this Sunday because last I checked, he didn't have COVID. I think his girl, his live-in girlfriend or something uh, was, was in close contact with someone. So the NFL, being a, as responsible as they are, just, oh, threw, yeah. just threw him on the COVID IR, you know, just to be safe here. So, yeah, Jonathan Taylor in Houston. Houston's 31st overall against opposing running backs. Personally, I've been picking on Houston all season, and it's paid dividends. Yeah, and the other guy you mentioned is uh, David Montgomery, who's 5,500. The other... The one other one that's right there at 5,400 is the sort of Nick Chubb arbitrage play, which is Kareem Hunt. Look, if for whatever reason it's one or the other, uh, Kareem Hunt could be that guy. Um, any interest there, or, or am I chasing something there? No, you're not at all. And it's funny you mentioned that because I've had a lot of success this season uh, 
rostering and stacking two running backs from the same team. Obviously, it's got to be the smart one. You got to, you know, uh, crunch your numbers and, and go from there. But, you know, stacking the Colts running backs has, has done well this season. Stacking the, uh, who was it? Uh, <clears throat> New England running backs, Damian Harris and uh, James White has paid dividends. And again, James Chubb and Kareem Hunt can work in your favor. And, and why wouldn't it? They're playing Tennessee, as I've said, a ton already, 25th overall, blah, blah, blah here. But Kareem Hunt is $6,300 on FanDuel. And it's like, it's an odd occurrence here. They don't, they're not like eating into each other's workload. Nick Chubb gets the carries and Kareem Hunt gets the passing down work. It's to me, it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so then if you go to wide receiver, I mean, it's going to be hard if I've kind of saved a lot of that money. I've got Trubisky and Mooney, and you know I didn't I didn't pay up for Cook yet, and I've got Gasecki uh, with the scuba gear on out of the river, back up on top of the bridge, playing with me. Uh, that's good, and so I've got plenty of money. How do I pass on DK Metcalf, who's not even on the top of the board, going at home against the Giants? You're telling me they're not going to find a couple of touchdowns for this kid in that game? I just feel like it's going to happen. No, you're you're absolutely right. And again, it's like we're the same person here. I was I was waiting for you to get through your your wide receiver talk, and I was going to say DK Metcalf is a must own, must roster this weekend. <laughs> Playing the Giants, as you said, he's eighty five hundred dollars on Fanduel. But if you if you build the line, if you build your lineup the right way with some uh, B and B picks, let's say, or some you know contrarian guys, you're able to fit in Devonte Adams and DK, and DK. Metcalf. And I'm doing everything in my power to get both of those guys in my lineup this weekend. And two other guys I want to mention briefly here uh, in all the optimization lines I've run so far, and it's only Tuesday, uh, Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup have popped up in every single one of them time and time again. Cooper Cup's uh, playing Arizona, $6,600 there. And uh, scrolling down, Brandon Cooks, is they're playing Indianapolis, which has been a very stout defense this season. He's $6,500 on FanDuel. So in a perfect world, you could realistically get all four of those uh, wide receivers in your lineup. And instead of flexing a running back, you roster the two running backs and you, you, you use a flex spot on a wide receiver here. So if you're like me, a degenerate, I, I, I'm putting in 100 different lineups and I'm trying every combination I can here on Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. <clears throat> you know, if I, if I look at bottom of the barrel type guys for a uh, wide receiver, you know, Mims kind of st- stands out as a guy that I might want to play 4,100 going against that terrible Las Vegas defense that you mentioned. If you're looking to pick on, you know, Las Vegas, Mims and Perryman are actually right there, right around 4,000 on DK. I think they're probably pretty close to that or, you know, pretty close to the bottom of the barrel there over on FanDuel as well. Um, what do you think about either of those guys? Yeah, absolutely. Mims and Perriman are mentioned in the article here. So I swear to you, we're on the same wavelength here. Uh, fun fact here, Brashad Perriman has scored three touchdowns in the last two games. And I see your Denzel Mims, and I raise you rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr., the Colts wide receiver. Again, we're picking on Houston. They go there 22nd overall against opposing wide receivers. He's $5,600 on FanDuel. And uh, if I'm out of line for saying this, just just shoot me down here. Michael Pittman Jr. is now, without a doubt, the wide receiver one in Indianapolis, and I don't think it's it's really that close. No, it's not. Um, and, and actually, he's breathed some life into T.Y. Hilton because now there's actually someone else that they do need to pay attention to. 
Pittman looks a little bit more electric than I uh, thought he would look on an NFL field. Like he looks quick, um, which I wasn't sure. I thought he'd be a little bit more <laughs> look a little bit more like Nikhil Harry out there, but no, he looks he looks good. Uh, Nikhil Harry, you know, you know, pour one out. I uh, that was my WR one. I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, he's going to be on the Devonte Parker, Corey Davis plan. Don't you worry. Another five, six, seven years, you're going to be wishing you owned. Nikhil Harry, that's what I'm saying. Uh, real quick, if I may, I know we're talking DFS, but a guy like Mims and Pittman, uh, it, it's been perfect for dynasty formats, given the fact that they started out so slow in the beginning of the season. They were in and out of the lineup with soft tissue injuries, things like that, and people, you know, they panicked quick. I've noticed that big time. I'm sure you have too. People, you know, they cut bait pretty quick on on some players if they if they're not doing what they're expected to do here. So Mims adding Mims and Michael Pittman Jr. in dynasty formats to me has been a breeze so far. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of uh, so speaking of rookie wide receivers, that's where we're going to go next. We're going to talk a little bit more dynasty before we before we cut this one out. And uh, what a fun show so far. I mean, man, we've gone from here to there. We've done some DFS, and we're going to finish it off with. I, I think you're the perfect person to talk about this stuff because you have a you have a way. So today I redid my dynasty rankings. I I sent them out to the world, and you know um, all twelve of my followers went and looked. And no, I'm joking. But look, I moved Justin Jefferson up to WR three in dynasty because I, I just don't know that there's any any reason why not. Like I can't even imagine, and I moved him above my boy CD Lamb because I think if I owned CD Lamb and someone said, "Hey, here's Justin Jefferson, you want to trade?" I, 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 I certainly would have a hard time saying no because I get this year's production too, and they're both dope. Um, so it's splitting hairs. It's it's like you know maybe in the off season and probably actually in the off season that'll change. So if I'm a complete tanking team. I may not do that. I might just sit tight with with CD because I think the long term prospects are better. But when I'm in season doing my dynasty rankings, I I factor in current season a little bit more because some teams are freaking competing and and if it, you know so it's kind of hard dynasty rankings during the season. I'm not sure which kind of team you are, right? So, but if you're a competing team, there's no question I would send you know almost any player for Justin Jefferson right now. Because he's producing now, and he'll produce in the future. You got any issue with uh, with with uh, Justin Jefferson at, at wide receiver three? No, it, absolutely not. And it's and it's fantastic. And I believe long term, uh, he's only going to climb climb that ranking, right? And if you're looking at it now, just for the sake of week thirteen, I have Justin Jefferson eighth in my in my week twelve. Excuse me, my week thirteen rankings, and it's it's completely justified. Uh, He's absolutely electric and elusive, as you said uh, previously about Pittman here. And long-term, Justin Jefferson is going to be an absolute star here. But I, I do agree with you, too, in terms of C.D. Lamb. Dak it makes that that Dallas Cowboys team go around. Without him, they're completely lost, right? So once they get <clears throat> Dak back, and when we talk in Dynasty, we're looking long-term. We have long-term goals. We have long-term. We have our sights set more long-term here. And C.D. Lamb above Justin Jefferson uh, still flies in my book right now. Yeah, and I, and I don't have him there right now. I think I've, uh, if I look at it right now, I'll tell you, I've got C.D. at five. You know, it's, it's really hard to have C.D. any higher than that, given the fact that he's not going to win you any games really right now. He's actually hard to start 
and you know, uh, you know, wide receiver one, two, or three. He's really a borderline WR three right now. Uh, you know, in redraft, you know, in, in, in starting lineup, like ranking. You know, he's not he's not a top twenty four play on a weekly basis. So, whereas, like you say, Justin Jefferson's top eight. So I'm with you 100. percent I agree 100. percent But it's really hard to have Justin Jefferson anywhere outside your i mean how can you have a top eight play who's a rookie outside your top eight in dynasty it doesn't make any sense i mean he's a rookie and he's in the top eight weekly that means he's a top eight dynasty play i mean there's just no doubt so a lot of people are missing missing the the bus right now on justin jefferson and you know we were talking actually the right before we got on i was listening to the um to and little shout out to the uh the unscripted pod and they were talking about uh, trade I did with Polly Sleepers, and I traded basically a first. Uh, excuse me, I traded a second and Antonio Gibson for a first. So I moved up whatever twelve spots in the twenty twenty one draft, but gave up Antonio Gibson. Now, I did this like in week one or two or three. It was early. Uh, we knew Gibson was good. I had him as my RB six pre draft. So don't at me. I already knew he's awesome. I was you know I knew he was awesome before you did. Uh, but you know, but at that time I was still unsure about his, you know, what would happen and, and, you know, whether or not he would get the full workload, whether or not he was even going to work out. Sometimes these guys just don't work out. Pour one out for Lynn Bowden. Uh, you know, there's no guarantees, right? So at the end of the day, I made that trade, but their point was that he may have bought high at that time. Cause at that time, a lot of people said that he overpaid in our league, other experts, other people were like, you know, that was probably a little bit of an overpay. Now it looks cheap. And I would say the same thing for Justin Jefferson. You might have to pay something that feels expensive right now, but let me tell you, it is not expensive. Um, and there's one other guy that I kind of put in that group, and that's Terry McLaurin. So if you had to have one or the other in Dynasty, Terry McLaurin or Justin Jefferson, who are you taking? Ooh, that, that's uh, probably – the nicest question I've been asked in a long time, the most, you know, thought processing kind of thing here. Uh, I think I would go, uh, excuse me, Terry McLaurin in this, in this instance here, just because he's on, I mean, Washington's not all that good. Uh, Minnesota's not all that good, but long-term I like, the way Washington has started to build their team, their defensive line, their secondary, it's all fantastic. And that's going to be conducive long run to the offense. I know it's an old saying that uh, a good defense leads to a good offense, something along those lines here. But Terry McLaurin looks to be, uh, dare I say, matchup proof. You can't fade the guy. How many quarterbacks has he played with in only his second season here? And the kid is still getting it done and putting up numbers here. So uh, based off what I've seen so far, in, in both kids' short careers, I'm going to go Terry McLaurin, F1 in here. Just so you know, you're not wrong because Terry McLaurin is – one of the reasons I brought him up is because Terry McLaurin at this particular point is putting himself in rarefied air. However many games he's played, I guess it's whatever, 16 plus 10, you know, 26 games, whatever it is. It, 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 in a player's first 26 games, he's like a top 10 wide receiver in terms of total yards. I mean, he is among – the greatest wide receivers of all time in that span of time. But you know who else is in that uh, span of time in their top 11, uh, in their first 11 games uh, played in the NFL? The guy who's top three is Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is 21 years old. He's going to turn 22 shortly. Uh, Terry McLaurin's already 25. So the answer is Justin Jefferson. (coughs) Excuse me, but you weren't wrong. Uh, It's just you were wrong. Uh, so give me Justin Jefferson, but it's close. And I think 
uh, I like that you said Terry McLaurin because I think a lot of people are sleeping on him and not realizing just how matchup proof he is. You're right. He's played with terrible quarterback play, rotational quarterback play, a terrible offensive line, and and yet he still has the largest percentage of his team's air yards of any player in the NFL. Like he is just gobbling up air yards. There's no one else there. I just did a. You might have seen it actually. I did a mock draft for Washington. No, I don't think I posted this one, but in that mock, I like took a, a real mock draft for the real team. You know, I think I took like three wide receivers, you know, uh, I took, you know, Tamori and Terry and Tylen Wallace. And I think they really need an infusion of talent on that team to go with t- Terry McLaurin. So I'm with you a hundred percent. But, but I'll, I'll play this game. We're going to play a little, little rapid fire with Justin Jefferson just to see where you, you have him. I mean, sometimes this is how rankings are done. You know, you can say I got him fifth or 10th or whatever. That doesn't mean much, but when you start thinking about, who would I rather have in Dynasty? Would would you rather have Justin Jefferson or or uh, DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, I think I'm still going to go uh, DeAndre Hopkins for the time being. Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown. Uh, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas. Justin Jefferson. There you go. So so really, yeah, he's he's right there for you. So he's obviously. And, and, and because you have Terry McLaurin above Justin Jefferson, sounds like those two guys are really top seven, top six players for you. Absolutely. And let me tell you a, a way I, I look at dynasty rankings, just a little bit, of a tidbit, how I do my thing. Uh, I look at a guy uh, like Michael Thomas and I, I ask myself, I crunch the numbers and I say, have we seen Michael Thomas's best season as a professional athlete so far? And to me, that answer is yes, it was last year. Have we seen the best possible uh, season from Justin Jefferson yet? No, absolutely not. The the best is yet to come. Haven't even scratched the surface, whatever other cliches you want to throw out here. So that's why to me, uh, I'd like to think I'm a decisive individual when it comes to rankings, start, sit, DFS, stuff like that. And uh, I do my best work uh, under pressure when it went put, when uh, rubber meets the road here. So I'm going Justin Jefferson because of the simple fact that I think we've seen MT's uh, best season as a professional athlete. I love it. I think that's about right. I mean, look, Michael Thomas is also, you know, uh, getting a little old. I mean, he was like Terry McLaurin in that he came in as an old prospect. So, you know, we, we tend to think he's a little bit younger like than, than he really is. And, you know, look, I'm not a youth chaser. It's not like I need only young players, but I am aware of the, the reality that you're talking about and, you know, whether or not I've seen the best year or not. I mean, I just look at it as you know, range of outcomes and what's most likely. And when you look at uh, production curves of players, they do follow a pattern and they usually start off, you know, lower and then they get higher and then they get lower again. That's kind of how it works. And we kind of know when these things tend to happen. And, you know, that, that peak wide receiver year is somewhere, you know, in that 27 uh, year old range. I mean, that's some players that peak later, AKA Adam Thielen, obviously did not follow the production curve or the dynasty curve, as I call it. He did not. But his data gets thrown into players like Kelvin Benjamin, who did something early and then never did anything again. And when you put all that into the mix, it's pretty predictable. <clears throat> and so a lot of these guys are going to follow that curve pretty pretty, um, you know, pretty closely at least. And, and so you can predict what's going to happen next year or the year after or whatever. And so you're right on the money. And that's one of the reasons that I'm a – when I say hesitant, I've got him as wide receiver nine 
total uh, with Terry McLaurin. And, and I'm actually kind of the highest on him or the, the lowest, if you will. You know, um, all my brothers here at, at, um, at the Undroppables have him between seven, eight or nine. So we're all right there. I think that's his spot. So I think that's a good ranking. Uh, I have no problem liking him as a top four or five. But, you know, obviously DK right now is number one, uh, young and dominant. Uh, Devonte Adams is right there. Uh, but Justin Jefferson, he's in, he's in the three hole for me. And I think, you know, I'm definitely the highest, uh, on consent over consensus with him. Let's move to running back some, some place where you and I certainly were, were going a little earlier with, uh, with Jonathan Taylor and we'll get there, but I'm going to start with my boy. Uh, obviously Taylor's my boy too, but my guy that I've been, that I've been standing for the whole season, the whole off season, everybody wanted to put him outside the, the elite backs. And I was saying, no, he's in the elite backs. Cam Akers. So for me, Cam Akers is an elite uh, prospect. Um, who knows what will happen? There have been other elite prospects who didn't pan out as well as we thought they would. But this kid, I think, is in that group. For me, it was Swift, Taylor, um, Dobbins, and Akers. Those four guys put them in. They're done. Rack them up. And then for me, it was CH and, and Antonio Gibson. So I kind of nailed that. By the way, I was also highest on Robinson, James Robinson at, at, at running back 14. That being said, now, we have new information. James Robinson's a stud. Antonio Gibson's a stud. Acres, we're still unsure, or some people are. Uh, put those three in order, if you don't mind. Can you do that? Yeah. Uh, let For me write it down. Yeah. Let me write it down real quick. You said uh, J. Rob. Yep. James Robinson, Antonio Gibson, or Cam Acres. You're, you know, you're on the clock mm-hmm. in a dynasty in a dynasty draft. You get to pick one. They're both. They're all three are there. Oof. You got to take one. Well, personal preference to me, it would be Gibson, Gibson, J. Rob Akers. There you go. That's fair. They're super close for me, so there's not a wrong answer. Um, you know, for me, Akers is still ahead of those guys. And and again, if I always talk about you know this season's production and this season's production, obviously Robinson and Gibson are are eating Akers' lunch. But I think Akers got hurt. I think at some point he'll be there, and I think he's going to be elite, and I think he's going to be in the league a long time. Although Gibson's starting to look like he's for real as well. So these three guys are all guys that if you drafted them, you're pretty happy. Obviously, uh, Akers was uh, late first in most drafts. So then so then we'll go to, to Taylor, Swift, Dobbins, and CEH, which were the top four guys uh, you know, on, on almost everybody's board. Lots of lots of uh panic times, you know, early for Swift, middle of the season for Taylor, Dobbins, everybody's wondering if it's a good fit. CEH. Obviously, all the CEA truthers are starting to wonder if uh, the 1.01 was a little rich for him. Are you are you worried about any one of those four guys going forward? You know, into 2021. No, absolutely not. I'm very confident on all four of these these kids that they will uh, they will do what they were drafted to do, and that's be uh, premier dominant running backs in the NFL here. And if I had to, I don't know if you asked, but if, if you are, I'll, I'll give you the answer anyways. I think for me, it goes Swift, JT. JK and Clyde Edwards Hilaire one through four for me. And again, it's all relative. They could all move uh, within, you know, up and down here uh, at a moment's notice, but given the this exact moment in time, Swift, JT, JK and CEH for me. Yeah, that's, that is, that is awesome. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, for me, I went back and forth with those guys preseason. CEH was always outside those top four. Uh, in and Acres was in there, but you know, obviously, CEH lands in the dream spot, and you know, there he is. So it sounds to me like you know, I, I think I know the next 
question. I think I know where you're going to go, but to me, it's probably for sure. But, you know, when you look at some of these guys, some of them are overachieving, some of them are underachieving, uh, some of them are, are, you know, all over the map. But, you know, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, and Ezekiel Elliott. You know, Zeke, obviously, you know, what a disappointment he's been. But in Dynasty, I mean, obviously with Dak coming back next year, put those four in order if, if you can. Yeah, you said uh, Zeke, Henry. I wasn't able to get it down. It's okay. Zeke, Henry, Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, okay. So ranking them without looking at their ages, uh, I mean, again, I love what you said. I'm not a youth chaser uh, either. But to me, uh, it's Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, and Zeke in that order. Do you want to hear the worst trade I've ever seen in my life? Absolutely. This just came through. I'm in a, I'm in a 32. This is unbelievable. I am so pissed off right now. Wait till you guys hear out. This is making air. One of our loyal listeners made this, made this trade. He doesn't know I'm calling him out right now. Holy smokes, this is bad. I'm in a 32 team league. Okay, this is you're, you. You'd love this league. If there's an opening, I'll put you in this league. Uh, 32 team league. It is a, um, uh. A full IDP, one player copy. So, I mean, in order to play a quarterback, like, you know, you, there's only 32 starting, you know, this just in, there's only 32 teams. There's 32 teams. So some teams don't even have a starting quarterback. <clears throat> if you lose your starting quarterback, you might not have his backup. I mean, it's complete chaos. So it's something. Listen to this trade. Oh, my God. So Jacoby Myers, Greg Ward, and some guy named Josh Bins, uh, linebacker from uh, you know um, Cincinnati. He's been fine. He's been fine. Just netted rhinos. Got Justin Jefferson for that nonsense. Holy smokes! Is that uh, wow? I'm not a. I, I don't. The first thing that came to my mind was was a veto, but I'm not a veto guy uh, by any means because I think you know two teams get together and they talk it out. Who am I to tell someone how to run your run their league? But sometimes a trade goes through that's so wild it can alter the the integrity of the entire league. I mean, do you agree here? I mean, Myers, uh, who's a who's a nice player. I, I just traded for him in my 14 team IDP league and PPR, and he's Myers is seeing like 30 30 40 percent of the target share, Greg Ward is, I know who Greg Ward is. We all know who Greg Ward is and we all know who he's not. He's not a, a top end echelon kind of wide receiver. And, and Ben's I've heard of him. He's normally on, on the waiver wire in all IDP leagues here. So to net Justin Jefferson here, uh, I think you said a guy named Rhinos is the one who added Justin Jefferson, uh, yeah. uh, you know, pour one out, as you say, for the other team, giving away Justin Jefferson unbelievable i mean it's just so bad so in a 32 team league look i know ryan and i know ryan is not um colluding here so he just i just don't know how that's even possible so uh yeah the whole the whole league is blown up so i got this alert and i looked at i was like oh yeah trades i love trades you know so there you go you heard it here first you know there i've heard trash trades like the dynasty hq guys and this that a lot of guys that that one is the worst trade I think I've ever seen in my life. And it was right here live on air. So, you know, Rhino's listening right now and he's just like, he's been on like two of the last three shows or whatever. And, uh, it, Hey, Rhino, screw you, man. This is bullshit. I'm coming after you. This is nonsense. 
I'm glad I could be a, a, a piece of this moment in time that we're sharing together uh, with Justin Jefferson and, uh, and Rhino here. Or Ryan. I think you're calling him Ryan, but I called him Rhino. I'm surprised you don't know rhinos, real rhinos. You gotta, you gotta be following him if you're not, man, because you guys would actually mix it up a bit. He's, uh, he's, he's fantastic. So, yeah, absolutely. Just uh, he's at at real rhinos is his, uh, is his uh, Twitter handle. So, definitely- yeah, sounds, sounds familiar. I think we're in a, a group chat together uh, now that you say that. It's ringing some bells. Absolutely. Usually, he does not. He's not one of these guys that uh, you don't recognize his presence if you're anywhere near him. He's uh He's a big, loud, boisterous son of a bitch, and and uh, I love him. He's he's a he's a homie. So, uh, but he's he's a cheating, lying, conniving, colluding son of a bitch for this stupid ass trade. I'll tell you that much. So, I'm gonna roast his ass on uh, you know on on uh, uh, on the airwaves here, so he can eat it. Yeah, he can eat it. Yeah, Ryan, you can eat it, man. It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> thank See, you. All this time, I thought you were an asshole. You're terrible at being an asshole. You're yeah. really just a real nice guy. This is amazing. Thank you. I, I guess, uh, again, as I said. Uh, you really let me down. As I said almost two hours ago, it's nice to hear what other people think of me because, obviously, uh, I, I'm me. I, I think of myself one way, and it's, uh, it's fun and entertaining to see uh, how other people think of me. Well, if you ever need a little bit of muscle on a project on Twitter, just call me and I'm here. I'm there. I got your back. You're too nice. I love thank it. You. So thank you. thank you so much to Chris Robin coming on and, and talking it up. I thought he did an outstanding job. Go check him out at Detroit Beastie, which is, again, one of the best freaking Twitter handles on, on, the, on the streets. Uh, Detroit Beastie. He's a, he's a good source for uh, DFS. Uh, he's, he's also a really great person to be uh, – to chum it up with on uh, on Twitter, and of course, it was probably me being the prick, not him. And he was just defending himself with kindness, and I was probably running him over. And that's probably why I remember him being, uh, you know, uh, a tough guy. Either that, or his Twitter avatar—he's got the hat on backwards, the shiny sunglasses. Maybe he just looks like a, like a little bit of a dickhead, you know, or something. I don't really know, but he's a hell of a nice guy. So glad you joined us. So glad we got to chop it up, man. Great, great job. Great, great show. Thank you so much. And uh, if I'd be honored to be back again in the future, and if you'd like, I could be a, an asshole the entire time. I don't think if you that, could do it. That would I make actually, you feel better. No, it would make me feel better. I just don't think it's possible. I think you're that much of a nice person right down to the soul. No chance you could ever be a dick. So thank you so much. No, you're you're awesome, man. Um, uh, we will do it again. I'll have you on again. And, uh, you know, sometimes we do some shows with a little bit of collaborative, especially in the offseason. It sounds like uh, – you know, you just said you think quick and, and like to think on your feet. Some of the fun shows I want to do this offseason will be like mock draft stuff where, you know, we just basically will go through and, and, and do some live on air rookie mocks and things of the nature. I'd love to have you on. Absolutely. I, I'd be honored to come back on. So uh, thank you very much. Rock on. Well, that's all for, for me. This is Scott Jax Falcone at Dino Game Theory for the Undroppables, for the Undrafted Pod, uh, for Chris Robin, a.k.a. Detroit Beastie. We are out.